Welcome back to Geek Life, the Indie Comics Podcast on Pandamanga.com. As always, I'm your host, JP. With me are my fearless co-hosts, Marcus. This week with a healthy, non-sexy voice. And back with us from out of state, Joe! Oh, hey, how's it going? Welcome back, my friend. It's good to see you sitting next to me in the dojo. Not in the dojo. Sitting next to me in... (laughs) Wait, no, no, no. You said dojo. I did. You're stupid. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yes my mind is all dojo right now i'm i'm basically running our dojo right now because our in uh, instructors head instructors are out of, out of town for like a month oh. so it's all me so i'm doing nothing but reading karate books and taking notes and preparing for classes because i don't want to i don't want to suck they're they're big shoes to fill anyway it's great to have you back in the studio with us joe studio. we had our normal routine our ritual of going to bab's cafe for some breakfast and come up here and do some podcasting and read mm-hmm. some comics and visit with John Harder from Waterfront Comics downstairs. It's been a good day. Yeah. Yeah. And then nice finally, of course, we have the half-Asian sensation that's sweeping the nation, the Brian. I lost count of how many cups of coffee I had at Babs. So this is going to be good. Oh, by the way, Joe, here's your battle axe. Ah. He's been taking <laughs> care of that for you. <laughs> Brian doesn't like anything. Oh, it's <laughs> sticky. Oh. <laughs> Oh man, so give us an update. What's what's it like up in Seattle? Uh, well, you know, it's not as much rain as I thought. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. disappointing. That it really is, man. I've been sweating my balls off down here for years and years trying to get to Seattle where I knew it was going to be cold and rainy and dark, you know, just just how I wanted. Overcast. Yeah. See, I thought I was going to be able to go to Seattle, lay on my back, and then just never have to pay for bottled water ever again. Just, <laughs> just like, hold, have my mouth open and then just be, be you know, thirst-free forever. You know, there was one day when I was walking over to get a hamburger, and sky was blue when I left. By the time I got my hamburger, it had started drizzling. By the time I got back to my house, it's five blocks away from my house. By the time I got back, I was so drenched that... Oh, I saw that picture you posted on Facebook. Yeah. It, there was like, was it looked no, like somebody dumped a bucket on you. There was no part of me that was dry. Mm. That's how hard it was raining. Within, that makes it sound like you're talking specifically in your pants. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Everything was wet. I was, was going to say ice Everything. bucket challenge, but... <laughs> I took it the extra mile. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, on the whole, enjoying it up there? Oh, definitely. Good, good people, good. good food. Nice. We are going to endeavor to, next week, have Joe join us via Skype. Mm-hmm. We're going to bring Marcus's laptop in here, hook up the old... USB microphone so that he can hear us and work some work some audio black magic and hopefully we'll get robot Joe in here because Skype sounds like a robot. Mm. I wonder if there's a filter I can put on my voice. Oh God, I'm sure there is. Yes, yes, there is. Yeah, we've Sweet. sort of been avoiding that, honestly, because I really, really, really do not like microphone fragmentation in a podcast. And by microphone fragmentation, I mean basically different microphones being used on the same podcast. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people do it because it's really convenient and easy. They've all got their own headsets. They Skype in or Google Hangouts or whatever together. And, and it's easy and it works and it's quick and efficient. And I think that's a great way to do interviews. I think it's a great way to get people that are remote. But like when everybody does that and mm-hmm. one person's voice sounds one way, another person's voice sounds like a robot, another person's voice has got a lot of backroom echo and it's just it's just not the same. It doesn't sound professional. It sounds sort of cobbled together, and I just can't stand that. And a lot of the time, when a podcast is like that, I just stop listening. Mm. You know, so. you're listening to Geek Life, the most professional, unprofessional podcast <laughs> on the web today. Professional, uh, you know, it's just it's nice. To, it's nice to try and do it well. So anyway, but you know, Joe's going to be remote, so we will give it a try and see if we yeah. can make it not awful. We can put a different filter on me every week. 
Oh, that would be awesome. Robo Joe Demon. On Joe. Skype, is there is there video Lady too? Joe. There is video, but we'll probably have it off because pro tip, when you have video and audio, there's a lot more problems with latency, mm-hmm. sound, you know, coming through and sometimes it drops out. So, if, you know, just audio is way, way more stable. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, if we had the video, I was going to put like a fake mustache on Joe on the, on the monitor. On Google Hangouts, you have an app that allows you to draw on people, and it will tr- yeah. it'll remember where it is on their face and track it around in 3D space when they move. It's <laughs> oh my crap. super duper distracting when you're trying to. And the funny thing is, is that the only place that it shows up from the person who you're talking to's perspective is on the little tiny image of themselves or little video square of themselves on the bottom right side of the screen, which is not where they're looking. They're looking in the main screen, mm-hmm. right? And so unless they see down there that their tiny little image is looking silly, like you could very well have already drawn like a top hat and whiskers and some cat ears and a mustache and horns. And it's just gone completely crazy and you're just laughing hysterically and they have no idea why. It's pretty fun. That sounds cool. It's good stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll we'll start to experiment with that when we talk about the fuse. The fuse. Yeah, that'll be very exciting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so speaking of comic books, hey, this is a comic book podcast. Here we go. Oh, hey. The Indie Comics Podcast that we are, we're going to be talking about issue two of Hybrid Earth by Rustin Petray and Frederick Allison Jr. I've been chatting with Frederick a lot recently, trying to get his comic in one of the local shops in Napa. Very excited about that. And in those conversations, we chatted and he's like, oh, hey, man, issue two is ready. Let's just talk about it. And so we are. Here we are talking about it right now. So so easily suggested. I am. I'm gullible as could be. Yeah. That and I enjoyed the first issue. So that's easy, you know. Anyway, so issue two picks up pretty much exactly where issue one left off. Funny when that happens. It is. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Um, Speaking of issue one, we reviewed that back on episode 88, 88, which had... Joe's cousin and oh, her yeah. husband, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, brand new husband. Brand, brand new husband. Mm-hmm. Brand new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was great. It was really good. I actually went back and listened to that as per Brian's instructions. He bosses me around, even though he's a guest host. So easily suggested. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know what, Marcus? You're pretty familiar with this comic, and you you know personally, outside of the uh, professional podcast realm, if you can call us professional. I am friends with Frederick. Yeah, yes. you're friends with Frederick. So tell us, bring us up to speed. What is issue one about? A little bit backstory so that we can jump in. And those of you that, uh, you know, haven't listened to episode 88 can hop in and not be confused. All right. So uh, issue one, I was that episode. <laughs> that would be television, not comic books. Uh, issue one is um, a good introduction into the world of hybrid Earth that does not, in my opinion, suffer from issue one-itis, where it gets too much into the development of the world and not enough into the actual story. Um, it was a good issue. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it a lot. I think it was a good issue. Yes. Um, so in hybrid Earth, there has been uh, an explosion resulting in nanobots taking over humankind. Not taking over, but fusing with humankind. So many of the population are now infused with nanobots that, that comprise half of their body as mechanics and, and yeah, there things was like that a they doomsday were involved weapon, with. Exactly. Yeah, right? Like that a was... machine that they were adjacent to. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. In this, they get a little bit deeper into that, explaining that when whatever you were holding on to you or you were near, if you didn't die from the nanobots raining down from the atmosphere, the irradiated nanobots, right, that it actually would fuse with you 
or, you know, replace part of your body with whatever it is that you happen to be holding on to, which makes a lot more sense for the character Calm in the first one who had like a satellite. And I'm wondering if he was like on the roof straddling his satellite being like, <laughs> oh, damn it, I can't get showtime. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's what must have been happening. But so we meet a guy in this one who's got who's hilarious. When I first saw him, I was like, really? But as we moved on, it actually ended up being completely great. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyhow, in, in the story, there are. I don't know if I want to say half, because we really don't know how much of the population is affected. No, a portion I, of the population. A portion of the population has been affected by the nanobots and are now fused with machinery that they can now control as part of them. Um, and in this world, there's a uh, detective Xander who... Xander Hastings. Xander Hastings, who is kind of, it seems like the uh, police officer bad boy. Um, mm. Doesn't quite go by the rules, but uh, at the same time has a, has a moral sense of what's right and wrong. And it's Definitely. important to him to, you know, finish the cases that he starts, um, who is getting into some trouble for trying to finish a case that he started, where some people that have uh, nanotechnology in them are starting to disappear. The hybrids, right? The hybrids, exactly, are starting to disappear. And so in the first issue, he, he talks to his informant, and his informant then essentially turns evil and attacks him and xander's of the conclusion that that's not his character type and that some, something must have happened to him to make him yeah, and while he attacked him his eyes were glowing green exactly. which comes into play big time in this next issue exactly and so now he's trying to figure out why people with these nanobot uh, technology in them might be turning uh, bad mm -hmm. um and what's happening to the missing nanobot invested people and also he has, I know this is totally not the best way to summarize a book, but, and also there's this thing here and this thing here and also this thing here, but, and also he has a really awesome computer assistant that and from this little mechanical orb that follows him around and oh, yeah. is basically like, like his, Link. his sidekick yeah, yeah, named, yeah. named Link who kind of kicks ass it uh yeah. while he's getting pummeled. Some of the times Link will come in and actually just actually finish, in the, finish in the, the first fight. book all of the times. Yeah. All <laughs> yeah. of the times. You know, Xander, uh, Xander flies in like a hero trying to fight and then gets his ass literally delivered to him on a platter. And then he's like, Link, and then Link goes, Zzz, and zaps him, and then they stop. And yeah, he's yeah. like, that's right, I'm a boss. Game over, man. Game over. Yeah, so, he flies in, and then next scene later, he's flying out a brick wall. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, you know, I actually, you know, when we get in, into the meat of things, I actually want to say that it was cool to see that not be the case this time around. That mm -hmm. there was a whole lot more of back and forth, and Link wasn't just the, the be-all overpowered... Well, I guess I can't do this on my own. Link, zap him. Yeah. So that was nice to see a change. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so. Is how it eventually turned out, but he did more this time. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's, what am I missing from issue one still? Uh, I think at the end of issue one, he saw somebody who was watching him in the crowd after he, after sort of the climax of issue one, where he had his face off with his, with Calm, his informant, mm -hmm. who turned on him. And what was really cool about that and sort of very strange is that yes a his eyes were glowing green but then after calm got shot down and was presumably dead a bunch of green smoky misty sparkly business came up out of him which yeah. he which he recognized Those, yeah, immediately as the nanites, the nanites yeah. right yeah and so he's like whoa what is going on they're like leaking out of him like smoke you know and so that was sort of like a who what's that about and then he noticed somebody in the crowd with a hoodie and he follows them across the street and ends up getting accosted by them and gets his butt kicked again again <laughs> again and this person turns out to be willa who is a one of the missing hybrids yeah one of the missing hybrids but not seemingly well i guess yeah she's seemingly potentially involved in whatever's going on yeah she glowed yeah she was, her eyes were glowing green she says like don't get involved in this case so yeah 
Yeah. But it was almost, it was interesting because the other people that he's ran into that are involved in some way and let alone had the green glowing eyes, which seems like some kind of control or possession by whoever's behind the, uh, mm. behind the, the, the kidnappings, right? Yeah. The, the hybrid nappings. They've all been pretty violent, openly and aggressively violent. And she knocked him down and ran off and gave him like a word of warning. So maybe there's something different about her. Maybe they're not controlling her entirely. Maybe she's mm-hmm. involved in the plot. Who knows? But she definitely seems to be an important character because everybody else has been kind of like, I'm possessed now. Kill, you know, yeah. like, and she didn't seem like that, even though she definitely had the green glowing eyes business going well, on. Well, or maybe whoever's in charge has more control over the people that have the glowing green eyes than just to make them aggressive and attack. Could be. Could yeah, be. you actually see in issue two where you have a character who attacks Xander and he attacks in a way that is completely different from how the yeah. other people attacked him. It's like calm and in control. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah the other one seemed sort of fiery, out of control, aggressive, emotional somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, whereas this one kind of seemed emotionless. Yeah, yeah. It was really actually much scarier because he had his wits about him. was really kicking ass in a big way. So, yeah, so basically... We pick up in issue two, where issue one left off, literally exactly where it left off, where he'd been blown into and through and smashed up a bunch of windows in this sort of, you know, broken down, abandoned storefront when he had confronted this Willa person and who has like vacuum fingers or fan fingers or something or mm, fan, hand. Fan, hand, yeah, fan, fan hand. hands. Yeah. Kind of like, what is that? Vampire Hunter D that has the little mouth in his hand. Yeah. Same mm-hmm. kind of idea where she's just like, you know, Hado can go the, away. Yeah. The exact opposite. The exactly right. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, so she she kind of knocks him over at the end of the last issue, and it's like, bum, 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 who is this chick? And in the beginning of this issue, he's basically, you know, getting razzed and essentially kicked off the force yeah. by his superiors, who are like, you're still following this case? What's wrong with you? Damn you, Hastings, I'm a jerk. Mm-hmm. And and the it's way like that he every, dealt with that was hilarious. Yeah. It's like every um, police chief from every 70s cop show. Yeah. Like, exactly. Damn it, these things. I'm going to have your get, badge. If you didn't yeah. get the job done, I'd have your badge. Yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. It's the typical, he's like one of the best cops in the precinct, thus he can get away with a little more shit. Yeah, but he, mm. he he's not getting away with it this time. He's like, no, I want your badge. Like, he pushed him too far. It's in there. It, it is in there. But yeah. <laughs> Brian's looking at me like, that's not what happened. I he says he's that going that. to take it. But no, no, he no, demands, he says, come, he says, in, I, I want come in now, now. I want your badge Come now. back to headquarters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Hastings is like, make it a burger first. Kind of hungry. <laughs> it's like, you know, after getting my ass kicked and then the guy hangs up on him. <laughs> I kind of like that. I mean, it's it's, uh, it's sort of, it's a familiar kind of trope to have the, the badass cop who gets shit done, always mm-hmm. at odds with. The police chief who's trying to be more political and have less damages to have to repair and pay yeah. for and all that. But, you know, it's it doesn't get old because it's just fun. It's just a great dynamic to have where mm-hmm. you know, you're bucking the authority. You're still doing a good job. You're doing your own thing. You're going to kind of having a on again, off again relationship with law and order. And you're really just chasing the case. Like, that's fun. It's fun to get behind a character like that. You guys remember the movie? So I married an axe murderer. Yes. How the chief is totally just polite and encouraging yeah. and really helpful. And the detective's like, can't you like yell at me once in a while? <laughs> you know, tell me that you're going to have my badge if I screw up again. But you don't screw up. You do great work. I'm just so proud of you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great movie. I almost feel like because this is an issue too, and because Frederick's artwork is fairly consistent that mm-hmm. we should start with the artwork because i think it's gonna be a shorter conversation than 
the mm. story where the story is ongoing and and there's you know much to discuss. So you want to jump into the art? Haven't we already been talking about the story though? We've kind of been talking about the a story. Bit. A little bit. No, we've done a we recap. We just said that. We just yeah, I did a recap and then we talked about them, how it begins. Mm. So before we get into the story, like we normally do first, you want to talk about the art. If that's okay with you. Oh, uh, okay, fine. All right. So the art. What do you have to say about the art, Mark? It sounds like you have something to say. Well, I mean, for the most part, it was fairly consistent with the artwork from issue one. Um, go back and listen to episode 88 where we gush about Frederick's artwork. He has a definitely unique style where it's very rough and sketchy, and but it, it lends itself well to the environment that this story takes place in. Mm -hmm. And I think that continues on through issue two. Um, yeah, the story fits the art very well. And, you know, a lot of the time when you get art style that is unconventional like this, you find that it doesn't work sometimes, but here it works great because it's very perfect for this type of environment, this kind of gritty noir detective type comic. A lot of things take place in dark clubs and at nighttime and running through the forest and mm -hmm. those kind of things. It's a very, very dark noir like comic. And that's exactly the sort of place that this kind of art really finds home and, and is comfortable at. And it works really well. It's great. One of the things that, you know, kind of highlights that is the fact that he has, there's an ad in this book, which I want to talk about ads a little bit later on, but yeah, that, that needs to be said. Um, there's an ad in this book that has the artwork of Frederick in it as well for another book that he's, he's going to be working on that is not in the same setting, this gritty noir setting. And honestly, the artwork, it looks a little bit out of place. I mean, I won't know until I have the book in front of me and I actually read it, but, um, this this style of art fits so well for the world of hybrid earth that it's kind of almost hard to imagine it anywhere else now. So I'll have to pick up his his the book that's advertised in the middle of hybrid earth to see how it how it lends itself to that story. But um, very consistent. Uh, there were there were a couple of places in the artwork where the storytelling there were some what I feel like are rules that were broken that uh, made it a little confusing. Um, there's one panel where he's punching and um someone who's attacking him and because there's the the fist of uh xander's not in the panel it just has the motion lines you almost oh, i noticed that don't yeah. know where it's coming from you're just like i there's something happening here yeah the imagery mm -hmm. that he's using there works great when you're talking about animation mm -hmm. because you can have a blurry line pass by someone and based on the context and situation and everything it's going to be clear that was a fist exactly but here it's that if you if you like pause, you know, an animation animated punch type sequence, a hook punch kind of thing. And it's just a couple blurry line swipes that are the same color and, sh you know, basic look of the, you know, of the arm and the and the, the clothes and things like that. And it, it was a little was it wasn't as successful as some of the other imagery because the fight on the whole was very dynamic, very interesting. But that that piece right there, you're right, was a little funny. I don't know. The gunfights felt very weird to me. As far as the references and angles and things we're at, like I'm looking at page 24. I told you he's the new battle axe, Joe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, Brian's like, I'm not going to find anything good to say. I hate everybody. And you've got things like, okay, Xander is being pushed down by somebody to so that like he doesn't get shot because he doesn't see this person coming from behind. This person, spoiler alert, has a wound in their leg and is jumping off leg with said wound. And it's like. You don't do that when you. Is this go. after it was been bandaged, though. After it's been bandaged, yeah. But that bandage is a special bandage. It's like a yeah, advanced said bandage, it was like a splint. It sounds no. If you read, still, if you okay, read yeah. it, it said it's gonna. It's just, he said specifically that it's gonna take away the pain and it's gonna act like a splint. And then two pages later, he goes, "How's the leg?" And she goes, "Surprisingly fine. I'm just really tired, and I could use a burger." 
Mm. There, I mean, and it could be also a, a pacing issue. I feel like there were pacing problems with the fight, but it wasn't on the artist side. Right. No. Um, one, I mean, one of the things that maybe could have been altered a little bit to make the pacing a little bit better was specifically when they escape the house where they're being attacked, and uh, they're big running splash page. Well, they, yeah, they're running like through the woods, but then when yeah. the attacker comes back, he seems like he's still in the house, and the impression that I got was by the time that they're running away, that they're sort of taking a breath to catch up. You know, we got a few minutes that they were far away enough from the house where they were being attacked that him coming through the doors of the house wouldn't have been a problem. Um, and yet they yeah, show it's, 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 I mean, he must be in, in the environment it must be something like a, a house that is, you know, backed up against woods. That's all like on a green sort of slope because they're going down. What clearly looks like they're running through the woods. Hmm. And then it flip flashes back and he's like walking out of the house backlit by the house's glow. Well, and I feel like that that problem could have been solved if in those panels there was the house like, you know, you know or even like however small furniture or it would have been in the background, yeah, but something that sure. would have shown that it was they were still relatively close to it enough so that if the attacker showed up at the house again. Sure. It would still be a problem for them. But it seemed like when they were running through the woods and they specifically took a break that to me, if you're running from someone who's attacking you and you take a break. That means that you have time to take that break, and that's not a place where I would have taken a break. But that's also a story issue, not art. Well, like well, I said, the, the, the possible solution to that... Yeah, I was going to say, not necessarily. The would have been to keep the house in the background. The fact that they took a break might have been a story issue, but it's a story issue that could have been solved with the art. Hmm. What I was going to say is that they take a little moment when they're in the backyard or maybe down the back of the hill into the woods already, and... Link comes flying out after having distracted our, our attacker. They have this great little exchange that we'll talk about when we talk about the story more. But basically, Link essentially informs him, no, the guy's still coming. And the next page is the page where you see the attacker coming out of the back porch, doors flung open, glass everywhere, backlit by the house lights, like in the doorway. And there is a diagonally down and to the side covering up the bottom right side of that of that panel of the guy coming out of the of the house there's a picture of xander just the eyes nose and eyes and eyebrows basically looking up at him as if he could see him if there was no cue visually that tells us that he could see him but that it was just showing him busting out of the house and coming after them that would have been fine because then it wouldn't have been like well wait how close are they to the house yeah but because I think that's really what what cinched it right there is that if if he had taken that off and just had the guy blasting out of the house and then they kept running away, then it would have been like, oh, okay, he's you know kind of like Jason, he's just always coming, you know. About, exactly. You know, but because it's like, Bruh, I'm coming out of the house, guns going, woo, and then Xander looks up and goes, oh no, I see him, he's coming. Like that right there, I think is what would what really got us, and you know, so it's not really that much of a complex challenge to move. Just pop that frame out, and then it wouldn't be so confusing. I think there was a frame too that you. Brian had had comments on. Yeah, there's a shot just a few pages after what we were just talking about. Really, yeah, where basically he's in a gunfight. He goes around a corner, and it just looks like he's not looking at the guy. He's jumping at an angle that's away from him. His gun looks like it's pointed in a direction that wouldn't hit the guy. Like he'd be shooting way off to the guy's right. It just feels like the aspects are just and angles are just off. The lighting's great, but. Um, <laughs> Other than that, it's just like, I don't know, it's a weird shot for me. So read the text. Okay, let's see here. Uh, die. Stay here. I'm going to... Oh, in the panel that you're talking about specifically. Ugh. Okay. S-H. Uh, oh, oh, shit. shit. Link, let's do this already. Yes. 
So he is, he came around the corner, popped a couple shots off, and then whilst leaping and still shooting blindly to try and lay down cover fire, looks over his shoulder to yell back at Link. Is that's, that what's going that's on? That's what's going on. And get shot in the neck. Too. And, yeah. So basically he... he or is that part of, is that if you part see, of the actual wall that he's supposed to be behind? Because no. you have Link backlit. No, that wall is long gone, man. He's, he's ran around it and he's running at the guy, laying down some cover fire, trying to distract him so that Link can get off another shot. Okay. Because Link's been trying to zap this guy. Because it seems that an electrical shock of, of a sufficient power is a really good way to disable the hybrids because they have, you know, electronics fused into their bodies, especially to disable their ability to use their hybrid abilities. And so that's, I think, what's happening in that frame. You know, it may not be as clear as you'd like, but, you know, you can see Link glowing over his left shoulder. He's turning back towards him, trying to say something, as we do when you want to talk to somebody, you look at them even if you're in the middle of a fight. So he's laying down some fire, looking over his left shoulder, not even really all the way seeing, but kind of looking back, being like, Link, let's do this. I don't know if I agree with you on that one. I think that's, yeah. I I think think, that's what's happening. No, I mean, about your comment about you look at someone, even if you're in the fight. I feel like if you're in the middle of a gunfight. Yeah, and you don't look away. I, I would be looking at who I was firing at. Well, well either way. he's looking in the wrong direction for Link. Not necessarily. If Link is behind Link, him. Link is behind him. Yeah, so what, looking left or right is going to basically be, you know, six one, half a dozen of the other, my friend. Not in, not depending on the angle that he's at. I, I know, I actually think that uh, this isn't one of his stronger panels, and I no, feel like there's perspective issues, which to me, as you know, someone who draws lots of panels, if I've done it enough times and I can't get that angle right, sometimes I'll just lay it down just to move forward so you can get the story out there. And I'm not saying that's the case here, that's just something that I do, but this where I've seen a lot of successful panel layouts and uh, even perspective from Frederick, this is not one of his most strong particular panels. No, I would agree. And I'm not I'm not defending it as this is the way I would have drawn it myself, or this is the way I think he would have done it if he had an unlimited amount of time and got it exactly perfect the way he wanted it. No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, is that, you know, as Brian's describing it, it's almost as if he didn't understand what he was doing. That he was calling back to Link. And that's, yeah. you know, in text right there. Where I felt like Link was closer to being over his right mm -hmm. shoulder than his left shoulder. So, mm. and that sort of a thing, he'd actually be yelling in a, the wrong direction well, towards Link. Yeah, I just, I just that's think... That's the trouble that, with trying to get perspective on a floating small orb. Fair enough. And that being said, I mean... Again, we have to reiterate that we're in the world of indie comics where everything is going to be a little bit rougher on the edges. And there's a few technical details here and there that, you know, could be changed on the art side of things. But for the most part, because we've already reviewed issue one and talked a lot about Frederick's art, I mean, his strong suits for me, at least, are character design and lighting. Because those two things are amazing in his artwork. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to spend the entire podcast gushing about, you know, how amazing he was when what's changed really in this is, you know, the story has, has moved on. And there's more story to become. That's why I thought we'd do the artwork first. Yeah. So, you know, a few technical problems here and there. The only thing that stopped, made me stop reading and have to go back was the punch frame. Mm -hmm. And the other things, the perspective problem here and there, it wasn't enough to actually pull me out of the story. One of the things that was successful in pulling me right out of the story was the two-page ad spread in the middle of the comic book. Yeah. Which, in the world of independent comics, there's barely ever ads. And if they are, they're typically at the end. And the it worst isn't... part is, it's at a spot where you could almost say that it looks like that could be the end of the comic. And that's actually what happened to me. I saw two ads, and I'm like, oh, that's the end. Uh, not realizing for quite a while that, oh, there's more comic to this. Exactly. Even reducing it to just one ad would have been a little bit less flow-breaky. But, I mean, it's right at the height of tension, a cliffhanger kind of moment, a place where you could imagine the story being done 
mm. for that issue, even though it was not real far into the issue. No. But those kind of moments are the kind of moments that a comic book writer or artist chooses to be, okay, done, cliffhanger, now you're excited for the next issue. You can't wait to find out what happens next because mm -hmm. I left things literally hanging in the air. Yeah. And I was reading a PDF copy. I didn't have the physical print yeah. copy with me. So when I got to that page, I was like, oh, wow, they're done? And I was surprised that the comic book was over, not knowing that, oh, there's way more comic books yeah. still to go. Like, That's right. really short. Yeah. And I think the other issue, too, is that like there's, in addition to there being two ads spread in the middle there's also two page ads at the end of the book too and yeah, there the are four pages of ads in, in a, a 28. 28 page comic so there's 24 pages of comic book which is about normal but there's four pages of ads in that you know that's a lot man that's a lot especially for an independent comic you know and, and that's not uncommon for independent comics to have some ads but it's typically of friends and stuff like that mm -hmm. but it's just kind of like or, or other works of their own and yeah you know there's some things in the ads from Rustin, there's some things in the ads from from Frederick, but it's just kind of like, whoa, guys, like that's, you know, it's it's pace breaking. It's weird. And it's it's like has always been an unpleasant, but I guess necessary evil of the business model of comic books for a long time for there to be a yeah. obnoxious amount of advertising in there. And we've all just kind of been like, oh, whatever. But I mean, that is not the way it used to be. Well, I mean, Marvel, I mean, do you remember Marvel used to have the Got Milk ads where they would put all their Marvel superheroes with the milk mustache on them? Oh, yeah. Yes. Right. Um, and so I mean. Like you said, advertising has been part of comic books, especially, you know, in the big two. And that's understandable because they're big to the big two. They're corporate. They they need to make revenue. They sell ads for that revenue. This is independent. Um, and I think that in the independent world, it's kind of I don't want to say unex unexpected, but on un we were not expecting far. that. Exactly. And I mean, you typically get a lot of the time, especially because it tends to reduce cost per when you do a print on demand service like. RA, which is what they use, or Kablam, which is what you use. Exactly. You know, to have a, basically when you go to a print-on-demand place and you say, hey, I'd like to print this many comics, they say, well, the cost per issue is this, or it can be a little bit less if you if you put a one-page ad in the back. It can be a little bit even less if you put a two-page ad, or if you can be even less if you put it in the middle, it can be even less if you put it in the front. You know, they offer a couple different trim levels of basically pushing their own company. Through Kablam, for me, they offer you to put one either on the inside back cover or the back cover. And I think that's it. Well, the place I was talking about, which is defunct at this point, was Comics Press. Okay. But I've, I've seen multiple different places basically offer some kind of a discounting to advertise the printing service you used. Exactly. And so in a comic book, in independent comic world, that's not surprising. And you almost expect that because everybody's trying to mitigate costs in some capacity. And it's just an ad and you skim past it. And if you're a comic book printer and you're like, well, I really like the quality of this, then you can find it. I mean, it's it's all it's all gravy. That's fine. It's uh, we've all gotten kind of we all kind of gotten used to that. But to have a bunch of extra ads on top, I mean, three more pages of ads beyond what our normal expectations are, let alone having them in the middle, was a little jarring. Exactly. And in the real, in the real estate space of your comic book where you have an inside, inside cover and you have an inside back cover, that's your ad space. Because while we deal with it for the big two, this is independent and you need to try harder to get the people to like your stuff because we're representing the independent comic book community. We need to do everything that we can to make them interested in our stories. And I'll tell you right now, that two-page spread took me out of the story. Yeah, it it actually absolutely hurt your story because it was right there smack dab in the middle. Yeah. There's appropriate moments to put ads in. Like the big two have definitely got it down to a science by now. There's a dun 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 sort of moment, commercial break, then back to the action sort of thing that kind of has to happen for it to work without totally breaking pace or throwing you out of the story. 
or just really hurting the flow. I'm I'm really big on. I like to think of myself as a independent comic book purist. I try to elevate my comic book, and at the same time elevate comic books, independent comic books of the people that I know or the people that are local to me. Sure. One of the reasons that's one of the reasons why I enjoy this podcast so much, so I can highlight other independent comic books. And I'll tell you, for Maloman. I give free ad space on the in, the inside cover and the inside back cover for all of my issues to independent comic book artists, and that's it. Because I don't want to interrupt my story in the middle when someone could be getting the flow of it and being really into it, because it'll just stop. And there's not every possibility that they'll put it down and then never pick it up ever again. Well, you know, especially in the era of digital comics, like you and I were saying, this was smack dab in the middle at a point where it was kind of a cliffhanger. And both you and I kind of thought that, wow, this is a short issue because we thought it was done. Mm -hmm. You know, you are dealing with an independent comic world where you're not dealing with characters that people already come into liking, wanting, having an emotional bank account with. You're trying to get them to like people and things that they've never seen before that aren't probably anywhere near as polished as the corporate comics. And all that is to say is that basically you're, you know, you're, you're working a lot harder to keep people's attention. And so throwing something like that in the middle... And then being like, well, it's what the big comics do. It's like, yeah, no, you can't get away with that, my friend. Sorry. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I don't have anything else for the artwork. Yeah. I mean, again, it still comes through. There's a lot of really strong stuff here. It looks really good for the most part and works really well. So, yeah. And it communicates the story really well. Do you want to take a short musical break? Why don't we? Let's do that. We're going to take a short musical break. And then when we come back, we'll talk about the story of Hybrid Earth Issue 2. You're listening to Geek Life. Stick with us. Welcome back to Geek Light, the Pandamanga Comics Podcast. We are talking about Hybrid Earth Issue 2 today, and I think we're going to get into the story now. Now, we brought you up to speed, basically, from Issue 1 and a little bit of talking about what was going on in Issue 2 at the beginning of the podcast. So we'll just continue on after that. So we've you know kind of given you guys in a sense of what's going on. What did you guys think of the storytelling? We talked a little bit about the, the pacing problem in the action scene. Uh, when we talked about what could have been the potential fixed from the artist. Um, but I still feel like that was predominantly a, a writing error mm-hmm. to try to fit so much dialogue in the middle of a fast-paced action scene. I enjoyed that scene where we're going with the mystery of what's happening to these people. Now we It's have- kind of a luxury to see a second issue of an indie comic, especially for us, because we're so much of the time going on issue one, issue one, issue one, issue one. Exactly. So, so to be able to see something continued. That's really actually really nice. Plot get to get thicker and more characters introduced totally. is, is really, really nice. Um, but there were some, I had some issues with the story. Um, I don't think so much plot, I think is how is more so how it was laid out. 
um, little, I mean, I, it feels nitpicky saying it, but there were dialogue spots in the story that, that really took me out of the character, specifically Xander saying things like, I'm going to bounce when leaving a place that just, to me, that's not a phrase that he says. Yeah. No. Uh, I know that the writer of a story, the characters that they write, those are, are their babies and nobody knows them better than, you know, the writers. They know their personalities. They know how they act. And I guess I can say they know how they speak too, but it just, it seemed out of character from the character that had been developed thus far as Xander to say something like, I'm going to bounce. And even some of the dialogue that happened between him and the chief seemed unrealistic that somebody who's in law enforcement would so easily shrug off something as he's losing his job. Like, and he was just like, well, I'm going to get a burger. While hilarious, I agree with you. It seems incredibly cavalier. Yes. Mm -hmm. For that being your job. I mean, you would have to have been at the end of the worst day of your entire life and you just don't care. Mm -hmm. And that may be what is trying to happen here, but this is the beginning of the comic. Yeah. You'd like this would make sense issues in when he's uncovered the whole plot. Shit's gotten really sideways, mm. and the co- and you know and the police the chief calls him and he's like, "Well, I'm going to complain about mundane shit," and he's like, "You know what? Shut the fuck up." Yeah, I'm you know I'm going to go get a burger. Like that would have made more sense. But yeah, this he's like still issue in two, way it's too like, good a mood what? at this point. Yeah, yeah. it's I don't know. That was that. It, you're right. He's like, like, "Hey, TV guy, things. you want a cigarette?" He's like, "Hey, cute witness, how are you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> It could be one of those things where he's just used to being so good that he can get away with enough shit that he's probably thinking that the boss is just angry. And by the time he gets down to the station, you know, he'll still mm-hmm. be pissed, but he won't be asking for his badge back. You know, I think about it. Um, my review for the writing of the story is actually very similar to my review of the artwork, because similar to Frederick's artwork um, in, in, in general... You know, whereas in general, the artwork is really, really great. And there's just a few technical things here and there that I didn't like. The writing in general, I like where the plot is going. I, you know, as, as still a whole, a very it's compelling. still a good story yeah. and it's still happening really well. But it's the small things like dialogue. It's the small things like pacing that are kind of making me do this face that I make where I'm like, what's that now? I don't know if I think that's how it would yeah, those be those are the rough be. edges with the writing for mm-hmm. sure exactly i felt like some of the dialogue between he and uh, willa's sister was a little funny and it was almost like wait because they, they were changing roles back and forth here and there in the conversation yeah. of like who was pushing things or who was you know what i mean like yeah, who was, who being was more hitting cavalier. on who yeah. yeah it was very it was very strange it seemed like the their attitudes and their roles in the conversation were flip-flopping back and forth here and there which was a little confusing okay because mm-hmm. you know the the intensity of one person's conversation or, you know, cause like he was coming in talking to her and she was mourning and being nervous and weird. And then she'd flip on her on, you know, flip her sort of attitude and be like this strong, tough cavalier chick all at once. It was like, what? Like it was back and forth a little bit like that, which was sort of confusing. Exactly. So before we go uh, a whole lot further in, into critiquing the writing, I'm going to just give a nutshell of what I think happened in this issue. Okay. My interpretation of it was that after the events of issue one, he recovers and is promptly fired by the, the what do they call it? The hybrid enforcement agency, I think, or hybrid, yeah. Yeah, HEA, the hybrid enforcement agency. And he goes and gets a burger. He goes to a diner and he meets... Kind of a superfluous character. Yeah, what seems like it was kind of pointless besides inter- an interesting character design to have in there. And um, gives maybe a little bit of background into the how of the 
Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I, I okay. thought it was smart because it, was, it showed how pe- some people became mm-hmm. how they are. Yeah, that was helpful, especially yeah. in I kind of picked that up in the first issue, though. I kind of figured that in the first issue... It was whatever you were... It was whatever you were nearby. Mm-hmm. Kind of like... I did not get that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. No. Like, it could have done, been done much shorter. I'm hella fucking smart. And he didn't have to, uh, <laughs> like, show back up later. You know, it was really cool character design and really quirky and, and, and neato, but really had almost no business being in the story. I liked how you said Nito because it sounded like you said Cheeto. Mm. And Cheetos. Marcus is always hungry. Okay, so he goes from the diner to investigate uh, and talk to the sister of, of Willa. Of Willa who attacked him at the end of the first issue. And she's, you know, says that she's given her report to the police already and that she has nothing more to say. But then he draws out of her that she was drunk that night and that something that she might have missed earlier was that she had glowing green eyes when she... Well, she didn't believe that that's what was actually happening. She thought, mm-hmm. oh, I was drunk. I was seeing shit. Exactly. You know, and I didn't want to tell the cops weird stuff, but if you're asking me what I really saw, that's what I really saw. Exactly. So he finds that out from her. And then as that's happening, as he's you know getting information about what's going on, they get attacked by another glowing greed-eyed um, hybrid. Who we can only assume is one of the other hybrids that's been abducted and changed somehow. Mm-hmm. Who has an assault rifle fused with his arm. And so he's able to just Shoot seem- seemingly endless endless ammunition. <laughs> wonder what he was doing before it all happened. Exactly. Well, the the guy, the character that we're talking about in the diner scene that we thought was interesting design was a thief who was stealing a TV who now has his TV for like his upper torso. And what's cool about him is that he uses the images on the television screen to be his face. So when he's introduced, he looks like an old west cowboy. He looks. He reminded like, me looks a little like bit John of Wayne. a robot. Yeah, he looked like John Wayne, New Vegas. Oh yeah, that kind of a look. And I was thinking for a second, if I were to design that character, I might do it more like a old um, thick tube TV. Um, mm-hmm. But then I thought that might be in conflict with the very popular Saga, saga. Yeah. who has that same and just the head, you know, like. Yeah. So, I, you know, well done. I, I think it was an interesting new design on, on Frederick's part. But at the time, at the time of that conversation, at least, I thought that that character was there was no point to them because I had already, you know, figured that people were fused to the robots that they were nearby when sure. the Dinobots hit. Mm-hmm. Um, Plus, at the end of 2015, what electronic store is going to be carrying CRT TVs? That's and a good who point. Wants to yeah. Carry that who's out. Gonna, who's going to jack exactly. it? <laughs> so Xander and Cameron get attacked. And with the aid of Link distracting the attacker, they're able to escape the house where they run through the woods that we were talking about earlier and take a quick break, short period of dialogue, and then more attacking. They run further away. And again, with the aid of Link, he's able to put down their attacker. And the same thing happens that happened to Calm in the first issue where the green mist comes out of him. But this time, he's able to actually capture it. Get a sample of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. He has some kind of, uh, you know, Ghostbusters trinket that yeah, was able that was to suck it slick. in and, and get that sample. And then, to me, what seemed out of the blue was that then they were attacked by the guy with the cool character design from the diner. Mm-hmm. He, they were attacked before they finished off the first guy yeah. by him. Yeah. Okay. In between things. While they're running away and they get a little distance from him, the mm-hmm. guy from the night is like, blah, here I am to attack you. And then he gets his ass kicked hard in like <laughs> two panels and then mm-hmm. they keep running. <laughs> it was kind of like, why was he? What? That's kind of yeah. what I thought. And I think that person was meant, okay, this could be interpretation, but I think that person was meant to be the same as the other as the other hybrids who are possessed, but because yeah, but he, he has no green eyes, but he has no eyes. Yeah, but they could have had green eyes on the screen. I mean, come yeah, on, something. I mean, that's what or I, a that, green that's, glow. Yeah, or, and when was last that's how time I you saw a black it, and white TV? 
That's well, a good point. Well, it wasn't well, black and white. Was there was a screen yeah. where he had an anime character. That's that right. He, he went he, Goku for a second. Yeah. Because yeah. he was shouting out Kamehameha. Or he was trying to. Because he was shouting out Kamehameha. Or at least he was trying to before he got his ass handed right. to him. Yeah, that, that whole TV screen character is a great character design because you can do really any kind of image on the screen to mm. express how he's feeling. And, and I think that's really fun and cool, but he, he seemed like, like, why was he there? Yeah. Underutilized. You could also have him be just a mere henchman of whoever is actually kidnapping these people. Yeah. But why would the guy have a henchman that is so useless physically? Yeah. In well, comparison he to has Jesus, all these brainwashed yeah. minions. He has so tons like, and tons of brainwashed which minions is probably, that are class three and four guys. Which is probably the reason why he has somebody because who knows how much those guys can and can't interact like fully yeah um, i don't know i just it didn't seem like it fit plus i'm just kind of curious what his class is because you are told in this story that there's class threes class fours and class fives is he a class two what is a class one yeah, gonna maybe be issue then? three they'll go through mm -hmm. what the classes mean yeah because yeah. i could imagine i could imagine him being there with cameron talking about well they've been they've been kidnapping a bunch of class threes and fours and there's even a class five and she goes what does that even mean and he yeah. could explain it to her and then mm -hmm. by proxy explain it to us yeah because i'm like, totally curious yeah what makes a class whatever yeah mm -hmm. i want to imagine like class, a class one. one is somebody who is like a gym teacher so he has a stopwatch in his chest or something <laughs> or someone who has stopwatch like nail man. clippers on their yeah on their yeah. fingernails i like to think the gym teacher has like a hand that's just a big rubber red ball <laughs> are they saying are they saying that Willa was just using a hairdryer? Maybe. That That's could funny. be. Ah. That very well could be. Or a vacuum. Yeah. I know she was blowing, not sucking. Mm. Yeah. Very nice. I, I bet she could reverse direction. <laughs> Is this like a hybrid earth porno talk? <laughs> I don't vacuums, even know how we got down Vacuums go both ways. Mm. I was thinking space balls, but moving on. So finishing the, the finishing the sum up of what happens in issue two is uh, they have then they've then killed two what I assume are both henchmen of the antagonist of this storyline, and the story leaves with him taking a nap. Him, he basically passes out after yeah. the epic battle. Exactly. So now the the pacing thing that I want that I was talking about earlier that I want to get more into had to do with how the fight went because while it was a fun fight to read there were th there were times in the fight where I, I just thought it was unrealistic for how their behavior mm -hmm. um, he busts through the window which first of all you know a, a note for for Frederick if you're gonna have him noticed you know what the fuck is and and that's what he says when he notices that there's an attacker that's about to attack. Um, he was behind him. He was not mm -hmm. facing him. There's no way for him to have seen that person was going to come through. He should have seen him in like a reflection or something. Yeah, there like should have been reason for it or otherwise it seemed like how did he no possibly yeah. know that? And or at least the chick chack exactly. like gun cocking or something. So that, that could have been handled a little bit better um, on the art side of things, but mostly it was the fact that it was this buildup. Oh my God, there's an attacker. There's going to be a sweet fight scene. And then he comes in the door and Xander's like, bang, bang. And then he's down. And then let's have some more dialogue. And then, oh, he's back up again. But still that bang, bang and he's down thing seemed a little too quick. It was like, I, I guess I wanted more struggle. Especially considering how much of a bullet sponge he is later in the fight. It's kind of like, really? Like, why would he go down at all? Yeah, exactly. He should have been like, dun, 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 dun. Just kept going like Terminator. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And then, as I said earlier, you know, the the pacing of them running away from him as he's chasing them. They did get linked to distract the attacker for a little bit, which, you know, mm. is is fine. And a high point for me was the ongoing dialogue between Xander and Link. Yeah. And how he I, came out and he's like, Link, how did you do? Are you OK? And you get any damage? He's like, I had 17 critical hits. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, are you coming? He's like, no. <laughs> or no, is, is he still coming? Some, what did he say? Negative. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ne- yeah, exactly. Negative. And that's said when... When the attacker comes blasting through the door, here's here was the actual dialogue. He says, "Damn it, Link! How many times did he hit you?" And Link says, 17 occurrences of significant damage." Then he says, "Shit! Well, do you at least have some good news regarding our relentless admirer?" And then it shows him blasting through the door, and then in in Link's distinctive text goes negative. <laughs> like that's fun. I like I like that they doing. I like that they're doing that, having that relationship between Xander and Link, because Link is just a little robot, and Xander is the one that's creating all of the humor and personality. Mm-hmm. Link yeah. is just telling him what he needs to know. There's but a there's, straight like, man. But there's I, a, yeah, exactly. It works good. There's a straight man sort of goofy guy going on. There. I like it's how really he cool. tells Link to distract the guys, just like, procrastinate! <laughs> <laughs> Command, execute, pro- procrastinate, program. <laughs> Did you guys think that Cameron's reaction to their conversation in, in the house was a bit overboard. Yeah. Like she got real crazy real quick. She's like, blah, 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 like motor mouth and going crazy on stuff. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden he's like, whoa, whoa, dial it back, sister. I think he said sister. Did he actually mm-hmm. say sister? No, sister. he says you've got to chill. Well, and then later, once, they, once they've successfully escaped the, the attacker for the second time, and she's talking about, well, I could use a nap. And he says, you and me, uh, you and me both. Her immediate reaction is, are you trying to sleep with me? And as it just seemed it's like what? Yeah, that was a bit much. A lot of the dialogue between Cameron and, and and Xander was funky. Yeah, but also that could also be taken as like a sarcastic comment. Like yeah. you're trying to get me? Are you trying to sleep with me? Kind well, of thing. I didn't think you know? like that. If that if if that was how it was intended, yeah. or if it, it didn't more come sec- out it, right. It, but, yeah, yeah, it didn't come out right. But it, it, it would have been successful that way. Or it could have even been her flirting with him. Are yeah, you exactly. To get See, in I, th- bed I, th- with I think what we're running into here is a struggle, a battle of sorts between the really old black and white noir films of old that were way, le- way like lo- full to the brim of thinly veiled sexual jokes and references to the point of ridiculous tongue in cheek insanity at times and then the more modern sort of neo noir stuff that isn't really like that and it's mostly like way like fast paced really smart dialogue lots of you know voiceover that sort of stuff where it, it's it's taken that style and stripped it of a lot of its sort of tongue in cheek humor which there was in spades there's a great, but it was noir- also a sign of the times, right? But there's a great noir film festival that uh, goes on in San Francisco every year at the Castro Theater, and they do very, very reasonably priced double features, and they do them twice a day. And we all we would go there for a couple of years. We were doing that, and it was just, I mean, and it goes on for like a week. It's awesome, and you get access to all these great remastered old movies that you just have no way of getting to. And sometimes they'll get people that worked on the film to come and talk. And it's just like this little old man comes up and he's like, well, I ran lights on the film and I knew so-and-so. And it was just, it really, it's a very, very great time. But seeing some of those old movies and really getting exposed to them, part of the noir film vibe is this thinly veiled sexual jokes and cavalier sort of humor between male and female leads. That's a big part of it. And it feels like this vacillates from doing that to... Now this is a very serious neo-noir kind of a feel, you know, and it's, it's like it's not really seated in any one camp, you know, and so that I think is where some of that's coming from. So I can I can, I can see that point of view. Yeah. I'm not saying that 
It's there and it should be there, and that's why it's there, and you guys are stupid because you don't know about that. Not so what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I think that that's kind of the motivation to put that shit in there, and I don't think it really fits with the vibe. Exactly. And, and that, that could be my issue with the dialogue is that it just it doesn't go with the vibe. Like, Frederick's art matches this uh, this type of comic so well, maybe the dialogue doesn't do. Frederick's art's got lots of vibe. Yeah. The, maybe the vibe-y. dialogue doesn't do oh. as well a job as matching this theme of a story. Sure. Um, that being said... In general, I want to see what's going to happen. Like he has I'm me still generally wanting yeah, to yeah. know what's going on with the hybrids, who's in charge of everything, why Willa had more control than the other green-eyed people, um, and yeah. is Xander trying to sleep with Charlotte? <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't care about that. Handful, handful of shortcomings aside, this is still a very entertaining, compelling comic book mm-hmm. that has me wanting to see what happens next. Exactly. Like I said, I'm. You know, I re-listened to our last episode before in preparation for this, and somewhere in there I said, "I if I saw the next issue on on a comic rack somewhere, I wouldn't hesitate in buying it. And I feel the same way still. I would absolutely, if I saw issue three, I'd be like, ooh, and grab that right away. Very much so. Mm. Any final thoughts, you guys, before we move on? Well, uh, we never really talked about it, but there is a webcomic that's like a prequel to issue one. Yeah, a little five-page. A little five-page webcomic that's also kind of like an intro to a spinoff series as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can find that at hybridearth.smackjeeves.com. So I just wanted to throw that out there. You can learn a lot more about Hybrid Earth and some of the other comics by the publisher Scattered at scatteredcomics.com. Well, I think that's it for this episode of Geek Life, the indie comics podcast. Thanks for listening. We always love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklife at panamanga.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone interested in being a PM contributor can visit our contact page at contact.pandamega.com and drop us a line right there. Anybody that would like to make a suggestion for a comic book for us to talk about, send us uh, some advice, some ideas, some thoughts, some feedback. Just go right to contact.pandamega.com and send it in. Also, if you are on the podcast page, we have a handy dandy little form right there that you can fill out on the side. Just zip over a nice easy email to us as well. Easy, easy, easy to get a hold of us. If anybody has comments, thoughts, ideas, suggestions, let us know. Keep us in the loop, you guys. We like to hear feedback from our listeners. Music has been provided by AirPlus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured on this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. We always love that you guys listen to our podcast and hang out with us and send us information back and forth. Another way to support the podcast is to go to iTunes and leave a review. Please do. Please, please do. We uh, like stars. We do like stars. It's it's great. It really does make a huge difference. It's a big part of their, of their system and their algorithm to expose shows to more eyes and ears is to, uh, you know, get good ratings. So, you know, go over there, and if you have something nice to say, then, you know, let us know. Let us know. It's a really great way to do that, and, you know, if you write a really nice one, maybe we'll read it on the podcast. Oh! be famous. Oh, my God. Yeah. Incentive? Bribery, perhaps? Mm, yes. Yes. Anyway, Joe, it's good to have you back here, buddy, even oh, if it's just for one episode, and we will we'll get that Skype thing. We'll radio me. We'll yeah. Do it. We'll do it. This is the last of our double-digit episodes. I know! This is 99? This is 99. Ooh. Wah, wah, wah. Yes. That was the next a episode one is 100. Thanks for listening, you guys, and we'll see you next time. Go read some comics!
Music has been provided by provided by a bear. He said <laughs> bear. <laughs> He's <laughs> stupid. Uh, that's right. It's, it's ti- a music bear. It's a tiger. <laughs> yeah, it's a tiger. It's Seattle does see uh, man. <laughs> yeah, afraid of bears. <laughs> really, dude. They're everywhere. Which type of bear? <laughs> Rain bears. Rain bears. <laughs> Flat bears. Flat bears. Uh, they blow in on the northeastern. <laughs> <laughs> Beware the needle bears. Needle bear. Yeah, space needle bears. They're from space. Oh. And they have needle bears. Oh, that'd be horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> you just imagine a bunch Need- of uh-huh. bears just <laughs> flying in from right. space. We, we got paws. your next thing to draw for. <laughs> space needle, needle bears bear. from the Seattle Space Needle. Uh, needle bears from space. Space, space.